This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 398. And the quote of the day is from Jim Rohn, who said, If you don't change your approach, then you will never change your results. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here. This is episode 398 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Hope all is well in your world. And if you're just tuning in, this is the first episode you've ever listened to. Uh, first of all, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. And secondly, uh, there's 400 of these episodes or close to it. And you can find them all at drummersresource.com. You can find them on iTunes and Stitcher and, and all that fun stuff. And if you have been listening for a while, do me a favor. And leave a rating or a review. That helps it show up higher in the search results. That lets people know about it. And and share this with your friends. Like share it on your Instagram account or Facebook or Twitter or wherever. The more people who know about it, the better. And if that's one way that you can, uh, I don't know, pay me back for the 400 episodes, I guess, uh, I would appreciate it. So share it up. Let people know about it. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Quickly, I want to let you know about one thing happening the weekend of June 10th in Grand Haven, Michigan, and it is the Dream Hang. It's a Dream Symbols Hang. It's a symbol and beverage tasting event featuring a performance and a hang with Scott Pellegrom. That is at Third Coast Recording Company in Grand Haven, Michigan, June 10th, 2018, from 6 to 8 p.m. And it's not a clinic. It is just a way for you to go. You can hang out with Scott. You can watch his performance. You can get to know him. You can get to know others and just chill, relax. And it's, like I said, it's not a it's not a clinic, it's just a hang, and it's the dream hang. Check it out, June 10th, 2018, 6 to 8 p.m. at Third Coast Recording Company in Grand Haven, Michigan. So, now that that's out of the way, let's get into this conversation with Chris Jacoby. Chris is a multi-instrumentalist, and he's in Austin, Texas, and this is he's, he's a listener of the podcast as well, and this conversation, we first talk about how he got into doing what he does. So he helps songwriters and he helps musicians. He helps anyone who wants to get into the studio. He helps musicians make better records and also get more fans. And he changed his approach along the way. And we talk about it in this conversation. So this is a, there's a couple of things in here that I think are really good. One, we talk about how he's grown his business and the way that he changed his approach and how he grows, grows his business. The second part, we talk about mistakes that most drummers make when they go into the studio or when they're recording remote or things like that. So definitely some tangible advice in that end of the arena too. So tons of information in here. So we're going to get right into it with my man, Chris Jacoby. Chris, what's going on, my man? Not a lot, man. Just uh, getting excited for this. How is uh, how is Nashville, Texas? <laughs> <laughs> you mean San Antonio, Texas? It's great. <laughs> I'm like, you're in Nashville, right? You're like, I'm in San Antonio. I'm like, oh, okay. So, I don't know why I thought you were. I don't. I have no idea why I thought that you were in Nashville, uh, but I don't know. Well, here I am. As you can uh, tell, I did my uh, I did my you research. Did your research. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I'm like I just had it. I get, sometimes I get these these like mental thing like these things in my head where 
I'm just like, this person's in Nashville, and then I'll forever consider you. Like, I'm going to go to Nashville, and I'm going to hit you up and be like, yo, dude, I'm in Nashville. You'll be like, that's cool. I'm in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's going to happen. <laughs> so, man, we, uh, we, ju- we were just talking off air about how you kind of got into into the stuff that you're doing now. So why don't we talk about, first talk about what you do specifically now, but then I want to talk about the journey of how you got there because I think it's a cool story. Yeah, so I'm a independent music producer, produce a lot of indie folk artists, singer-songwriters, and just generally try to help them make better music, make better records, and get more fans. Um, so yeah, I mean, just just day in, day out, working with, probably an artist or two every month and making five song EPs, making full length albums and they're getting out there and promoting it. So nice. So how did you get into that initially? Um, it started in college. I just, I had some friends that were singer songwriters and I'd kind of gotten into recording in high school just as a hobby and would just kind of help people out, you know, just say, man, you got some songs I want to learn how to record. Let me help you out. And I would just help people out for free. At the time, I was mainly just gigging as a bass player, country bands, singer-songwriters, and making a living doing that. Mm -hmm. And at some point, the the records I was working on started doing a little better, and I started getting a bit of a reputation and transitioned over to doing this full-time. So So when you would mention that you initially – you started a business and mm-hmm. you can tell, tell me more about the business in a second. Sure. Uh, and you said that uh, to use your word, you said I was mm-hmm. in business. I was one of those people who was in business, but no, had, had no business being in business. Exactly. Yeah. So I was, I was playing bass for Aaron Lewis at the time, touring all over the place and working on records at the so- on the side. And one of the records I produced ended up landing on the billboard folk album charts number seven the band had no team of any kind it's just because their fans dug it and bought the record and Mm -hmm. and so i went and looked at it and it was like you know a a record that t-bone burnett produced and then a record i produced and another record t-bone burnett produced and i was like sweet that's sweet i'm gonna quit my gig and uh and start doing this so i i took some money that i started producing you're saying yeah just started producing full time and uh took some money i'd saved up took out a tiny loan and uh, bought some gear and just started working with anyone I could. But it was all very like referral based. You know, I'd mm-hmm. work with one client and they'd tell me, oh, you should work with my buddy. They're making a record. And, and so for the first two years, it was just like that. I didn't, I didn't, I had a horrible website. I didn't even have to go out and meet a lot of people. People just kept coming. Mm-hmm. And at some point that dried up completely, probably because... I had no systems in place. Like my workflow was completely inefficient. Projects took forever. Uh, and I just kind of like did a bad job on a few, once I got a lot of projects at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so everything couldn't, couldn't handle them all. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I wasn't set up for that. Um, you know, I, I'd gone from making records on the side and they'd take six to nine months, you know, on weekends and mm-hmm. days off and stuff like that to all of a sudden, this is what I'm doing. And I just wasn't ready for it. But, uh, yeah, somewhere along that way, along the way, I just kind of was really depressed and didn't have any work lined up. And I was just listening to podcasts. It was like the one good thing in my day was taking my dog for a walk, listening to a podcast. And the first one I heard was uh, that I'd hit that 
podcast. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't talk about other people's which podcasts. we don't talk about on this show. You can edit <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's actually a great <laughs> podcast. I will admit. So I've listened. But to I, you know, I just I just dug that lot concept of, episodes, of, so. of people talking and being a bass player. I think bass players just generally care more about drums than bass. At least in you, my you'd experience. be surprised how many how many bass players and guitar players listen to this podcast. I'm oh like, there's gosh. no way in hell I would listen to a, a guitar podcast. I don't want. Yeah, I don't really want to listen to a bass podcast. But I drum should, podcast, I was eating it up. I shouldn't say that. I'm going to plug a podcast right now. My buddy Shane Terrio, who is the guitar player from Hall Notes, he's the music director for Hall Notes, but he plays, I mean, he produces a ton of records and everything. He has an amazing podcast where he interviews like great guitar players, but they sit down and play and everything. It's called The Riff Raff with Shane Terrio. So you may cool. you may want to check because he has bass players on there. He has guitar players on there, all that kind of stuff. Well, like I said, I don't want to listen to bass player interviews, but, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> no, but they're good yeah, though. So they're not like, they're not, they don't get too like geeky on gear and technique and all they're, It's basically them like sitting around telling stories to each other. It's good. It's a cool podcast. Anyway. Uh, so you were listening to a po- You were listening to podcasts and take us through that. Yeah. So, um, that was like the one good thing in my life. I I think, uh, just listening to other people talking about kind of their journey from being unsuccessful to successful, you know, Mm -hmm. and when you're in that place and you're depressed and you don't know what's going wrong and you're trying to turn it around, that's what I needed. And, uh, yeah, I, f- I found that in your podcast, dude. I mean, I didn't even know about talk about like not being a business person. I didn't even know business podcast existed that I could listen to <laughs> for marketing advice. Or I didn't know anything, so, right? So uh, you know, it, it's yeah, funny it's, that it's funny hearing that because, like, I mean, you you listen to the podcast, so you know. Like, I yeah. grew up in a in a family business, right? So, like, I've owned five different, and this is by no means me bragging. This is actually me showing how sort of. Uh, how to how blind i was that i was like well every everyone understands this kind of stuff right and it was like and i talked to more and more people where they're like no i didn't know anything about business i don't know and i'm like i i guess i i realize now that i took it for granted and was just like oh that's just every everyone should know that kind of stuff and i don't know it just kind of it blows my mind but it's amazing that i was that blind to it i'm like i was that dumb to think that everyone just naturally knew how to do this stuff Right. Yeah. And my dad was a small business owner, but like, like I would, your family had like a restaurant or something. Is that right? Yeah, we still do. I mean, since so you like worked in it, right? You like, yeah, had, I ran it. And then I owned my own restaurant and like, you yeah. Know. So, you know, his business, it was like, he was doing it. And then he came home and like, we weren't working in it. My brother did a little bit cause he's more, it was a construction business. So my brother's really hands on. And mm-hmm. so he did some carpentry work and stuff, but, but yeah, so I, I just didn't know any of that stuff. And uh, from listening to your show and hearing you talk about uh, Pat Flynn and mm-hmm. I think somewhere along the way I heard Tim Ferriss's thing. I just kind of like stumbled into this whole business podcast world at some point. I'm like, oh, these guys like know how to get clients and make money. <laughs> All the stuff I'm like having a hard time with. Right, right. So, but at that point I was thinking, well, this this music thing's just not panning out. So I'm just going to have to start another business, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm trying to like amass this knowledge to go start this other thing and at some point i'm like well, why don't i just apply this to what i've got you know right. and i'm not even good at it yet but like even just flipping the mindset you mm-hmm. know and just all right cool i'm gonna go after this and this is what i need to make and this is how i need to do it and like this is how to structure my pricing and all this stuff you pick up when you listen to that stuff uh it just turned everything around and so now now it's great but it's it's this like you're saying 
talking to people that don't know anything about business, like all my clients have no clue how to like have a music career and like get their songs out there. They're just like, well, I write songs and Mm -hmm. hopefully someone will listen to it. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. Like (laughs) you're going to have to figure this out, you know? So I'm kind of like finding myself having more and more conversations with my clients about like, all right, well, have you tried this strategy? Have you tried this? Are you, oh, you don't even have an email list. Well, you should probably start with that. You right. know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's been a wild journey, but it's, it's really cool. and I'm really into it. So what are some of the things that you did that you did differently in terms, cause you were talking about you, you, you know, you listened to one of the, um, one of the episodes with how Elrod you started. So you, you, came up with this morning routine, but like mm. the morning routine and all that stuff is good, but that's not going to, that's not going to equal, you can get up at five 30 every morning and go to the gym and do this and do this and do that. It's not going to get more clients in the door. It's not going to get, you know, you working with more people. It's going to help with your mindset side of things. But what were some mm-hmm. of the tactical things that you, that you started doing and how did you start looking at your business differently? Because right. I think whether, whether it's doing what you're doing or whether you want to teach online drum lessons or whether mm-hmm. you want to have some other business, you know, in, in your niche and what you do in music, all of this stuff is applicable and all, and we all need to sort of figure this out because most people say, Oh, I'm going to start teaching online drum lessons. And then they start mm-hmm. and they spend $10,000 on a website and they mm-hmm. do all this stuff. And then they're like, all right. And they turn the switch on and it's crickets <laughs> Yeah, and they uh, can't figure out why. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, mainly it comes, you know, the thing, the thing that came out of the how thing was like just getting really clear on like, what's your number? Like, what do you need to make? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's like step one that I'm always talking to my singer songwriters about. They're like, I'm working this coffee shop gig and I hate it. I'm like, well, how much money do you need to quit the coffee shop gig? Right. Stop asking like why you're not successful and start asking, what do I have to do to make the $2,000 a month I make it being a barista or whatever? Mm-hmm. Once you start asking that, the, the answers start coming but mm-hmm. for me it was um kind of just getting really clear on what that, that what do i need to make you know and how much do i need to make in the business to be able to make that each month and then it's figuring out all the math like how many people need to be on my email list right how many leads do i bring in and how many of those result in phone calls and how many of those phone calls result in me producing a song mm-hmm. and once you know that it's like it takes all the emotion out of it on like the selling level. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, like I'm still emotionally involved. I make music for a living. But it's like I just know as long as I talk to seven people a month, I'm good. You know, right. if I talk to more, great. But it's like so I just have kind of this little checklist in my head of like, all right, I've talked to three people this month. All right, I need to talk to four more. And if I do that, then like chances are I'm probably going to have a gig lined up. You know right. what I mean? Right. So – for, you know, if it's a drummer, I don't know, like, um, how many producers do you need to be on their call list to make sure you're booked for sessions or, you know, how many gigs do you need recurring gigs? Do you have to have to have a, you know, the amount of money you need coming in? It's Mm -hmm. like, you just figure out the math behind it and then, and then do the work to make that happen. And And that can be a lot of different things. Like how, you know, how do you get the email leads? How do you get the people on the phone? Right. That can be that's a whole nother conversation. But well, we can talk about some of that. And I don't want to get like too sort of, you know, I don't want to get too deep in like the online marketing space or anything like that. Right. But but the it's it, there's always feedback from artists when you start talking about business, marketing, leads, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right. And 
it's not like the sexiest stuff to talk about. But right. whether well, I don't care what you want to call it, mm-hmm. you, like you don't have to call it marketing or you don't have to call it, right. you know, sales or you don't have to call it advertising. But that's what all this stuff is. So all right. of these bands who are out there making money and touring and there's a ton of people coming to their shows or all these artists who are, who are, you know, getting millions of streams on Spotify and they're playing around, you know, playing around the country. They're doing all these things. They're marketing correctly. They're generating leads to get, to come in to, to hear their tunes. So they're doing all this stuff, whether Mm -hmm. you want to call it that or not. So whether you want to do it or someone on your team does it, it has to be done. Right. And it's, it's really like, that's the big mindset shift is like, Oh, this is the only thing. Whether I'm selling productions or selling pizzas or whatever, it's like it's just a big math problem, you right. know. So if, just figure it out. Like, how many fans do you have to have? How much do you need to make off each fan? Blah blah blah. Just I know math isn't sexy, and it's like the last thing an artist wants to do. But it's like you said, it's like that's the thing that's happening in the successful artist career. It might be their manager doing it, mm-hmm. but somebody's you know, figuring this equation out and making it work. And if you, you know? don't, and if you don't have a manager, then you got to do it yourself. It's you. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> and I, I, you have, you have more control over your career. If you're the guy who's the guy or girl who's doing it initially, you understand what's going on. You understand what to expect. You understand what not to expect. So that way, even if you have a manager, it's like, Hey, listen, I did it this way before and it worked. I don't, why, you, why are you doing it this way? Or this used to make this much money. Why is it not making that much money now? Or, you know, this used to move more ticket sales or, or whatever the case may be. Um, so talk to me about your specifics about how it works with you. So if I'm an artist and, and I want to work with you, how, how would, how do I find you? How do you sort of get me into your, I, I'm not, I, I hate, I don't want to say the word funnel, but that's what it is. But like, I hate that word. Yeah, I've got a free checklist. It's chrisjacoby.com slash checklist. And it's kind of a kind of a little how to, you know, make sure you have all these things in a row to like launch your music career. So either people come in through that and they end up on my email list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have kind of a way of getting into a conversation with them. But if somebody already knows who I am, usually what they do of all things is they send me a direct message on Instagram. Like, hey, man, I really liked your work on such and such record. And we get to talking on there and it's like, well, let's jump on the phone. And then, you know, oftentimes that results in them becoming a new client. So it can really just be that easy to shoot me an email, shoot me a direct message or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as far as how it works and like what I do with people, uh, you know, I would prefer if people have their songs perfectly written, but it, you can really come in with a half written song mm-hmm. and you're going to leave with a fully done production with a song that works and your vocal sounds great and the instrumentation's what you want. And, um, and I just do all that for you. I've got a whole team of people and you can be in, as involved if, as you want. Like some people, they just want to come in and sing and then, all right, Chris, do your thing. And other people, they want to be there when the drum overdubs are going down mm-hmm. and, you know, nitpick and. Sorry, are you doing everything deep. in person or do you do remote too? I do a lot of remote stuff. Uh, I've got a remote keyboard player, um, I've done remote vocals. I've done remote drums. I typically, I've done, oh, I do a lot of remote strings mm-hmm. and I've done remote horns. So I'm typically doing drums here. Okay. And like uh, any acoustic guitar stuff, because I'm, 
because I work on folk music, like that's pretty much the core of the sound. So I've got a collection of guitars that I really like. Right. And I haven't had a great experience sending that stuff out. But I got you. Uh, and then I play bass typically because I'm a bass player. So right. It's a yeah. It's a mix of doing it here and sending it out. So how is how is what you're doing now different from what you were doing before, or is it not different? It's just the way that you're running your business different. It's definitely more streamlined. Um, I'm still using a lot of the same players, and it, but yeah, I mean we've you know I've got an assistant now, so he's doing a lot of the stuff that I loathe doing, like tuning vocals and lining up performances and sending files back and forth to the remote remote guys and importing all that kind of stuff. So that's changed. Uh, I do pre-production over Skype now, which has been awesome, you know, because I'm currently like, I'm working with a lot of people that aren't in San Antonio. People Mm -hmm. are coming from all over. I got a guy coming from the Bahamas next month. So doing it in person, it's not going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. So we just do it over it. And that saves so much time because we can do an hour Skype call and it's like somehow that saves like a half a day of real. Yeah, because time. you're in the studio, then you're going to get coffee, then you're doing this, you're joking yeah, you're around, you're like talking about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're talking so, about the stuff you're going to talk about before you talk about it. <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. And I then, get it. And then I've got another guy that's helping me with scheduling. So I've got he's got a template like here. I'll tell him because we're typically doing overdubs, we're not doing big live sessions. It's like, here are the order, here's the order that overdubs need to happen. In. Like mm-hmm. if the artist is like, all I care about is that there's cellos on this. Like we're going to do those pretty early, you know, so the guitar player doesn't eat up all the space and then there's nothing left for the cello. So it's like, I just tell him here's the order. And then he reaches out to all my guys and says, Hey, if we get you tracks on this day, can you have it back? You know, so that that's tightening up the timeline a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, just just get more efficient and and uh, always looking for new ways to to speed up the process without you know just making like homogenous records. Right, I mean, it's like right. if if that's going to be the case, then we're going to do it a slower route. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about mistakes that people make. So what are what are some of the mistakes that you see from let's say let's start with the studio side of when mm-hmm. when either songwriters come in with tunes or when or when drummers come in with the with Mm -hmm. the tunes and they want to they want to do a solo record or whatever it is what's a lot of the stuff that you see time and time again do you is there is there some some similarities when people come in where you're like oh shit everyone does this thing not like everyone does this thing like everyone's trying to make this song but everyone makes these mistakes or you mean like a, like a plane thing or like a... Or anything. A, maybe it's their approach. Maybe you notice that no one's doing enough pre-production or maybe you notice that like they're they're not putting enough thought into into how the songs go together on the record or maybe right. they just, they think that it, the process is going to be a lot easier than it actually is or... Do you see any of the same... Yeah, yeah. You know what, you know what the thing that, that can kind of be... I, I hate to say annoying, but it is kind of annoying, uh, is... Like I'm here to to facilitate the whole thing, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's not my record. Right. And I and I'm really opinionated. I'll tell you what I think about anything you ask me, but at the same time, it's like it's your record. You know, so a lot of people come in and they're just like, Well, I don't know, are any of these songs and I'm like, You gotta kinda have an opinion about a vision, you know right. what I mean? Like the, the the artists that I've worked with that have gone on to be the most successful, like they know what they want. And they let me help them get there mm-hmm. in the quickest way possible and the in the best sounding way and all that stuff. But 
But if you're coming in, you're like, I don't know. I've never, you know, I haven't played these songs for anyone. I don't know if they're any good. It's like, well, you might want to go play a gig with the songs you're going to record and like get a little feedback before you bring in a producer. Um, I mean, I can do it and I do it all the time, but it's like, have a vision, you know, Mm -hmm. don't, don't like abdicate that responsibility to me because it's not my music. I don't have to go play shows on it after that. So uh, that's that's kind of the big one, and it's like if, if there's any other issues, they're stemming from that core thing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's a matter of people wanting someone else to make the decision for them, like they don't want to make the wrong decision, or yeah. if it's a if it's a confidence thing, if it's a I don't know right. what it is, but I, I I think there's a lot of even clients that I work with, with my other business, it's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. it's your thing, you know? Like, yeah. I, I think they're both good options, you know? So whichever one you want, well, well what do you think? And I'm like, well, right. I, it doesn't. Well, and, you know, yeah, like part of my job is to like be that person. Like if you're, if you're really stuck on like, oh, I don't know, should I play it this way or this way? Like, I'm going to tell you which one I think. Right. But it's like, if you don't even know if you, if you like the song, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like, uh, I can't help you with that one right. because what difference does it make if I like it? Like you've got to like it and then I'm going to help you like fully realize the vision you have. But if there's no vision, it's like, it's really hard for me to flesh this out because I just don't know where we're, where you want me to take it. Right. It's like I could produce it 50 different ways that are all competent productions and got great players on <laughs> right, them. But right, is right. that what you want? I don't know. Yeah. So you got, and you, yeah, I'll, sometimes I help people kind of figure that out. I'm like, all right, well, what artist do you listen to? Okay. So like, let's try to make something kind of in the vein of your favorite artist mm-hmm. and that can help. But, uh, yeah, you, you gotta at least know you kind of like this song before you want to record it. So, right. right. So what about, uh, th- I mean, this is a pretty, this is a pretty specific question cause we're talking about drummers, but do you, what do you see? Do you see mistakes that drummers make when they come in in terms of playing, in terms of tone, in terms of, you know, do most guys overplay? I, what I see, what I always see in the studio is like drummers play way too many notes. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, not anymore. Cause I've kind of like weeded through <laughs> a, a bunch of bad drummers, but I mean, I was thinking about this cause I thought you might ask me, it's like, what do I want out of a drummer? It's like, well, it's, and it's also different if it's a band drummer versus a, a session drummer, mm-hmm. you know, but a session drummer, it's like, I want you to be like early. Don't be on time. Be like, at my house 15 minutes early ready to go if you're early you're on time if you're on time exactly and then i don't want if the first words out of your mouth are like man i just had this gig last night i got two hours of sleep i'm just like oh here we we go." go you know it's like i need you to at least fake it that you got a good night's sleep and you're ready to work and you're pumped to be here and then also like you need a voice on your instrument but at the same time, like be completely willing to forego it. Like if the artist comes over the talk back and says, can you put the snare on one and three or something ridiculous? Like you've just got to be like, yeah, let's try that out. You yeah. know, and yeah. not like, that's not going to sound good. Like if you're that guy, see ya, never calling right. you again. Right. Um, well, that's like, like uh, what's, uh, what song is that? Is it Smoke on the Water? You know the song is it Smoke? on one and three? Yeah, because they came in and they were playing it on two and four. And then the producer came in and was like, why don't we try this on one and three? And everybody was like, mm, I don't think it's a good, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. And yeah. it's on one and three. There you go. Yeah, because it's mean, like, you just got to try it. And the artist usually will go, oh, no, that sounds horrible. What you're doing was better. But right. like, just don't have an attitude. 
like that. Um, but for band guys, yeah, playing too many notes. Um, also not understanding that like you can overdub. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I heard some interview, I think with Steve Jordan and he was talking about like, oh yeah, I just, I don't play any sim like cymbal crashes. And then I go back and like put them in the right spots. Right. And like a lot of drummers, they think they've got to play everything. It's like you, like I just, I, I played on a track last week and like, you know, we started with just like this little floor tom thing and then we added this and we like built this whole thing. And like, I like, especially in the genre I work with, work in, I like drummers that can kind of think architecturally mm-hmm. and not just try to like play it always. Right. I right. mean, that, that's great too, but it's like, know that's an option and, and be thinking in those terms if that's appropriate, mm-hmm. you know? I think uh, uh, it was Steve Gad was saying when I had him on, he was saying that, uh, you know, when you go into the studio, most of the time, the first take or the second take is mm-hmm. the best. And yeah. he's like, you go back and you start analyzing it and you start, mm-hmm. you know, you start coming up with your own sort of agenda going into it. And he's like, the 10th take is never better than the first or second. That's is. Yeah. It's you pretty know? accurate. Especially yeah. if you're Steve Gadd, you just yeah. Especially if you're Steve, yeah. you just go in and you're like, this I don't is- think I'd be telling him to put a snare on one and three. Not that I would <laughs> tell anyone. Just let it be known, drummers. I'm not telling anyone to do that. But right, uh, yeah. But what do you? What about guys? What about drummers who? Um, I mean, we're gonna keep talking about drummers because it's a drumming podcast. Yeah, do it. Uh, but what about what about a drummer that's like, hey man, I wanna I wanna come out with a solo record, but like, I don't play a melodic instrument. I can't write. Mm-hmm. All I do is play drums. Mm. I mean, I guess my, I haven't done that, but I guess my first instinct would be, well, let's pair you up with someone that can write, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, yeah. And then it's just a matter of bringing in the right, the right players to, to support what they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. which I, I probably would not be the guy to call for that, but uh, <laughs> hey, just cause I haven't done it, but you right. know, uh, yeah, that's probably how I'd be thinking about it. Like just it's and and that's the same case with every artist. It's like everyone does something well, you mm-hmm. know? Like maybe they're a great songwriter or maybe they're a great singer or they just like when they perform it's like so convincing, you know? And it's like, "All right, well we're going to start there and then we're going to get all the people we need to set up a scenario to fill in all the other gaps." So if yeah, if it's a drummer thing, it's like, "All right, well we don't need a drummer, but we need everyone else and mm-hmm. we need a writer and an arranger maybe. So, uh, yeah, you just, you just find those people to fill in your, in your gaps and your skill set. you know? I think a lot of times we find excuses to not do something. So, you know, for me, I could have done that, but like I put out a solo record, you know, and I found an amazing writing partner and we wrote a whole record and it did well. And, you know, so you could sit around and say, Oh no, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Cause I, I mean, I played, I played piano for, for 10 years and now, uh, I can play Mary had a little lamb. So if you need anyone for Mary had a little lamb, let me know. Uh, well, and I can play colorblind by counting crows because nice. it's one note at a time. So, uh, <laughs> other than that, so if you need either one of those, I'm your guy, but, uh, but Perfect. yeah, like I just don't play, I don't play a melodic instrument anymore. Right. So I was like, I, I want to put out a record and I was literally like, I have no idea where to start. Like, yeah. I do I start with a drum beat? I was like, I don't. I mean, because I wrote, I wrote tunes with 
with a band that I was in for 15 years, but we collaborated together and one guy would have an idea and we would say, Oh, let's try this thing. And we would put it in. So I would sort of like, I would play a melodic instrument vicariously through these guys and would, and I produced the records and all that kind of stuff. So I had my hands involved and I'd be like, you know, they, God bless them, but they dealt with me being like, Oh, try this. Can you do like this, right, this right. thing? And they're like, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, like when an hour, now, now thing, you know, they're like, uh, and, yeah. and they figured it out. But then doing a solo thing, I'm like, I don't have a band. I'm no one. So I gotta, I gotta figure this out somehow. Well, you know? Maybe like a laptop, you know, like, I didn't Matt Chamberlain put out some solo records a few years ago and it's all mm-hmm. like program stuff. You know, I'd probably start just get yourself a little MIDI keyboard. You just got to play it. You don't even have to play it. You can click in the notes, you know. <laughs> I used to do that before I before I played piano and sometimes still do because I'm not a great piano player either. Just get in there and click in the part you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, do that or like start with drum loops or something. I, I know as as a bass player, like if you brought me a drum groove, um, I'm going to be inspired by that. I'm actually working with uh, this band right now and they're kind of right half writing in the studio. And so he, he brought in like some guitar stuff and then we kind of made a drum loop and then I'm like playing bass parts to the drum loop and there's no melody yet, you know, mm-hmm. so, but like just hearing that groove, I'm like, Oh, I got to play this on bass. And it's right. just instantly inspiring. You know, as long as you can work out the like songwriting credits ahead of time, yeah. people little, might be a little uh, upset if they're like making the, the, melodies and not getting a credit or something but of course yeah that means plenty of options you know just start where you're at and bring in people as you need them Mm -hmm. so a question i get all the time is nick i'm trying to be a session guy or i want to do more studio work i don't know how to get on the call book for producers and engineers and what's your what's your recommendation for that uh man i don't know because i i've had you know, I've had like guitar players reach out and say, man, I really want to get in the studio. I'll play for free, blah, blah, blah. And it's like what they don't realize is that you playing for free is costing me money. Mm-hmm. Like, How so? I'm, Well, because I'm either spending my time, which costs money, or I'm spending – you're spending my assistant's time and I'm paying them. Right. So for you to like get some experience, even though you're doing it for free, it's actually costing me money. And I know you're going to take longer than – when I call the dude who's been doing it for 10 years, you know? Right. So I think you've got, if you're going to approach a producer and like you have no experience, you've got to know that's what you're going up against is like time's money and you're, you're spending time. So it's like, I don't know, maybe offer to pay the assistant and work at weird hours. Mm -hmm. Um, but or, even if you, if you bring someone in for for a session, you're already mm-hmm. running the session anyway, and that's just right. one less guy to pay, though, right? Uh, I mean, I guess hypothetically, yeah. But I feel like typically when I've worked with people that don't have a lot of experience, it takes four times as long. Of course, and then it's cheaper to just call the more you know the guy who's actually charging or more expensive. Right. And I and especially with this remote stuff, man, I'm like doing the math. I'm like, I think it might actually just be cheaper to like always do remote even if the drummer's cheaper per song or something so it's mm-hmm. like you know but I, w- well what i did you know as learning how to play in the studio i just started recording stuff I, I, you can get recording equipment now it's not you know so if i were a drummer i'd start 
I'd get a little a little rig and start figuring out how to do it yourself and start doing remote stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like get good at at doing the studio thing on your own. Make some make something that somebody's going to hear and go, yeah, I want that guy to come play on my thing. Right. Because if if you don't have anything to show me, it's like I'm really rolling the dice. It, but if you came in and said, hey, check out this song. I you know I recorded it with my friend or. I made this solo thing and I recorded all this myself. I'd be like, well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, you should come play on my thing. Right. So, yeah, I think it's it's getting that, you know, it's like a, getting a reel together or whatever of mm-hmm. examples before you're reaching out trying to get, you know, get on somebody's session on or something. Somebody's session. The thing I think that that's always interesting too is that I'll talk to someone and they're like, yeah, you know, I really want to get, I want to start doing session work or touring mm-hmm. work or whatever it is. And then I'll go look at their Instagram page or I'll go look mm-hmm. at their YouTube page and it's them mm-hmm. like playing chops all over the place. Right. And I'm like, if if I was a producer and you said that you wanted to come in and play on this record and I went mm-hmm. to your Instagram page and every <laughs> video was like, yeah. and I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm, I need I need someone to play on a pop tune. I'm not uh-huh. calling you. Right. There's no way in hell I'm calling you. It's just not happening. I'm not going to call you. And I don't understand why people don't just showcase the skills that they want to get hired for to say, look, I can play this. I can play pop. I can play folk. I can play funk. I can play country, whatever it is. Here's me playing this authentically, you know, the way that it's supposed to be played. I'm not overplaying none of that stuff. Mm. Yeah, I know. I know for me, like, if I could just have one drummer on the rest of my sessions, for the, it'd be Jay Belleros. And I know most drummers don't even know who that is. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, he plays on a lot of T-Bone Burnett productions and songwriter records and stuff. And he's mm-hmm. like, he's got vibe for days and tones and he's always tasteful. It's like, you go put a video up of you playing like a 28 inch kick and like some great brushwork and being really tasteful. Yeah. I'll probably hire you, but right. yeah, if you're playing 30 second notes and like blowing up the kit, I'm like, eh, I don't really have a use for that. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure there are genres that do, but the stuff I work on, I'm like, I need, I need some tones and vibe. And, and I and think yeah, that you, most, I think that most stuff in the studio doesn't need that. Yeah. You know, exactly. Like 99% of the time, like you're not even playing you're not even gonna play 30 second notes at all yeah right it's you know? like maybe if it's a gospel tune or something but uh right yeah so yeah just start just go down that just learn some keltner and go study some jay belleros and learn how <laughs> right. to be tasteful like go go study the guys that will just play like a freaking like the most normal easy you know easy beat but it feels so good it's like that's what it's about it's a guy it's got to feel good and the tone's got to be good and it doesn't matter about chops uh, did you have uh chad cromwell on your show was I that didn't. your show i didn't Mm-mm. i remember hearing him talk about he's like yeah man all i can play is single strokes you know but like <laughs> you listen to him and it's like <laughs> oh that feels so good you know yep. so that that's where it's at for the stuff I'm doing. I mean, there's all of those guys. There's, you know, yeah. there's Earl Palmer or, or you know, um, Charlie Drayton or or Gad or you know, all of these studio guys. Steve Jordan. All you know, yeah. it's like most of. The stuff, I remember, and I've I've said this before on the podcast that I remember when I was younger. I was like 16, and I saw a video of Steve Jordan playing 
uh, mm-hmm. on like this Sheryl Crow tune, and I was like, eh. I was like, right. I don't, I don't get it. You know, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I can play that beat. You know, right. And now I'm like, I watched that same video, and I'm like, oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, you're freaking out. <laughs> and I'm like, what yeah. was I thinking when I was a kid? Like, you know, I knew everything. <laughs> right. Well, I was the same. Dude, I was learning Jocko stuff on bass or whatever, and and it's like, no. Dude, I, I remember I heard. Uh, Sorry to talk about bass players, but Justin Meldel Johnson, who plays with Beck and does a bunch of session stuff, and he was just talking about like, man, until you you can just lay down quarter notes on your bass and they're just dead on and perfect, don't mm-hmm. even worry with anything else. And I remember reading it and being like, well, that's kind of silly. And I moved on, and then I played on like my first session ever, and it, there was like complicated stuff, and I was nailing that. And then we get to this bridge, and I'm literally just playing quarter notes with a kick. I couldn't do it, dude. I was flaming all over the place. It was embarrassing. Yeah. And like that quote popped back in my head and I was like, oh man. And I just went home and like I just, me and the click were just like best buddies for like at least a year or two. I mean, it's just like, that's all I did. And if you guys go listen to the Benny Greb stuff where he's talking about all that displacement and like having the gap click, like Mm -hmm. you gotta be... Dude, until you can just play like a beat, like two and four with a gap click at like 60 beats per minute, like you don't even need chops because yeah. you're not ready for that. Yep. Like <laughs> That DVD so, is insane. Like, it's insane, dude. That That's changed my life. I've, I've shown that to like songwriters and stuff. I'm like, this is what y'all need to be doing because your guitar feels horrible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like you, I know you're not a drummer, but this is this is what music is about. Right. right. And it, it, it transcends uh it transcends just drumming. It's it's every oh, yeah. instrument, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. I agree. So, how if if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do it? If they want to learn from you, if they want to if they want to follow with with the stuff that you have going on, where do you suggest they do that? Well, they can follow me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page. You can go get your free checklist if you're looking to start a music career. ChrisJacoby.com/slash/checklist. Uh, you can also just send me an email through my website. So any of those things, whatever you're, whatever you're in, you're into, whatever social media platform you're on. So cool. Well, Chris, so, oh, and go. one more thing. I also have a Spotify playlist of everything I work on. So I just put that up there and always update that. Nice. And I'll link to it. Uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll grab it and I'll link to it in the, uh, in the show Perfect. notes too. So cool, man. Good deal, man. Well, Chris, first of all, I appreciate you uh, being a listener of the podcast. That means the world to me. I respect what you're doing now. I love the fact that that in some very small way, this podcast sort of changed the the direction of the stuff that you're doing. So uh, I think that's awesome. And uh, just, dude, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you for being a part of this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. That was Chris Jacoby. I hope you dug it. Check him out. He's just at chrisjacoby.com. You can find the show notes at drummersresource.com forward slash session 398. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.